When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast Producer of the Month for June is Ryan Story. Thank you, Ryan. If you would like to be just like Ryan and be rewarded for supporting the podcast, head over to patreon.com slash Gilbert Gottfried for a small amount you can get some colossal benefits such as access to new podcast episodes before anyone else, exclusive video hangouts, shout-outs from me on Twitter. I will even read your advertisement, speech, or manifesto on the show. Go to patreon.com slash Gilbert Gottfried. That's Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Gilbert Gottfried. We thank you for your generosity. You know, we have great advertisers that support the show and keep it free for you guys. So one of the reasons why advertisers love Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast is that they know the show has amazing listeners. So about once a year, we run a listener survey to help demonstrate this to advertisers. And right now we have an all-new survey that Gilbert and I would like you to take to help us learn more about our audience. So just go to podsurvey.com slash Gilbert. The survey only takes about five minutes. We're going to ask you some questions about yourself, what you'd like to buy, but it's completely anonymous. Your answers help us find advertisers that are matched to you, your interests, and the show. When you're finished, you can enter a monthly drawing to win a $100 Amazon gift card. What do you think of that, Gilbert? Uh, well, um, what kind of questions are you going to ask them? Because we can't get too personal. No, 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 and it's I, anonymous. There are some questions I'd like to ask, but I'd like to know how far. <laughs> and And... There are certain questions that if I ask our listeners, 
I don't think I want to know the answers. <laughs> I get that. I don't want to know the answers either. Once again, that's podsurvey.com slash Gilbert. Uh, and by the way, you don't have to take the survey. Yes. So that's you don't have to and, reveal it. And anything. please don't tell my audience to slash Gilbert because they'll take it literally. Absolutely. Thanks for helping us find the best advertisers so that we can keep the show free. Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. We're here at Nutmeg uh, Post. Let me say that's, that. That's all right. And don't forget Frank's plug. And Frank is... Verderosa. Verderosa. Like Ponderosa with a ver. Okay. Yeah. Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast... And uh, I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre, and we're here at Nutmeg Post with Frank Verderosa. Yay, Frank. Our guest this week is a comedian, author, sports writer, columnist, and an Emmy-nominated television writer who spent the last 24 years as a monologue writer confidant and self-described corner man to the recently retired talk show legend David Letterman. So, now he's out of work, basically, <laughs> and... Uh, basically. Which is uh, why we have time to sit with him. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, my old stand-up buddy, Bill Sheff. This is a, a, an unbelievable uh, pleasure, and and I'll tell you why. Uh, as I as I told your wife, uh, every time I run into you, there's a million stories I want to tell you, and I can't remember any of them. So when I got booked <laughs> months ago, I wrote them all down, and I just wanted to. The last time I saw you was at Caroline's. It was. Uh, it was some event, I don't know, you yeah. know, some charity, you know, uh, Big Brother-in-law, something like that. <laughs> and uh, and you're there uh, with your wife and your son, and, and Richard Belzer comes down the stairs and he says, Gilbert and Dara and my... I mean your son. That was, <laughs> <laughs> that was the last time I saw you. Um, and it's uh, like I said, I have uh, uh, a million things to uh, to catch up with you about, and and not enough time. And they're all about comics. Oh, okay. They're all about comics, <laughs> and they're all about people we know uh, uh, in various degrees. Usually, with comics, you won't find anything having to do with neuroses. No, not at or all. Or being screwed up in any way. Tell, tell us the first time you saw Gill on stage, uh, Bill. Before you jump into that, the first any, time I saw him on stage, of course, yeah. was in nineteen. I I, uh, I passed audition at Catch a Rising Star in. Um, in June of 1981, which means I was I was allowed to hang out till three in the morning and not go on, <laughs> and um, and I saw and and, and Gilbert was uh, was going on uh, late at night, and uh, it was just a, a revelation to see, and uh, you know, and I remember. Uh, a lot of the uh, bits, and I would just told uh, Dara a bit that uh, used to do that I used to love. There were a lot of 
sort of props on the back of the stage at Catch, and one of them was a was an old rotary dial phone. And in the middle of the set, <laughs> Gilbert would pick up the phone and put the earpiece and just start rolling his eyes like he couldn't get off the phone and just rolling his eyes and then uh, flapping his hand like the guy wouldn't stop talking. And doing and it, a jerk-off They're Doing a jerk-off, right. And it just would <laughs> yeah. go on and on for about five minutes and he wouldn't say a word. And finally, he would put his hand over the receiver and say to the audience, Dean Martin, and then go back. <laughs> I used to love that. Oh, that's great. I used to love that, and it went on. And, and of course, with each succeeding time he did it, it went on longer right. and longer. And I remember one night, somebody uh, uh, in, in the in the middle uh, of your set, uh, a couple got up and and walked out, and Gilbert, who never interacted with the crowd said, uh, why are you leaving? And the woman said, we don't think we should have to sit through some comic doing impressions of people from the 1940s. And as they walked out, Gilbert said, but I also do people from the 30s. (laughs) was the only time I ever saw you interact with the audience. It was great. That was great. I wanted the first story. I wanted to tell you, uh, years ago, I was in Las Vegas and I was working at the – at the Riviera with a guy, Rick Corso, who's pretty good, kind of good, very good impressionist. And so we finish and we go to see Red Fox at the Sahara and, and Slappy White is opening for him. And I'd worked with Slappy. <laughs> I worked, I worked at Slappy in Houston and, uh, and and uh, we uh, when you worked the gig in Houston, they gave you a rental car for the week, and it was one of those cars. It was like something that they had bought from a, like a driving school because the brakes were v- the brakes and the and the gas pedal were very high up. And and I would say to Slappy, "Yeah, let's get into Billy Barty's car." And every time we get in the car, you go, "Billy Barty," I, you know. So we <laughs> love that. So now I go. We go to see Slappy, and we go to see Red, and afterwards we go back into Red's dressing room. And this is what Red says. I'm, I'm going to open a club here in Las Vegas and it's going to be just for comics and it's going to have a big stage and a great sound system and there's going to be a little room in the back where you can get your dick sucked and have a sandwich. <laughs> he had figured it all out. Wow. He had figured it all out. <laughs> and, and the other... <laughs> What a great club. What a concept. The, the, yeah, I mean, it's, he's really figured it all out. Wow. Big stage, sound system in the little room in the back. And, of course, the, the other – the great story about Red that I heard was after Sanford and Son hit, uh, they gave him a, a summer variety special. And Bob Einstein was the head writer before he became Super, Super Dave Super and Dave, all right, that Albert stuff. Brooks's brother. Right, right. So he's the head writer. So now they set up for a sketch – and they and it's all set up and so somebody get red and um they they can't find him and he won't come down and he can't you know and so finally they send Bob Einstein up. So Bob Einstein goes up to the you know, to the dressing room and he's knocking on the door. Nothing, he's knocking on the door, nothing red, red, nothing. Finally he puts his hand on the door, realizes the door is open. He opens the door. There is a, a naked hooker and red is naked snorting a line of coke off the hooker's ass and red turns around sees bob einstein and says can a motherfucker relax <laughs> i that, heard that incredible one. that one i, I just at the, at the letterman rap uh, uh, chris rock had never heard that 
that story. Jerry had heard it. I, we really were talking because they were uh, both in the final top ten. And, uh, and Chris had never heard that story of all people. So, um, isn't there a Red Fox story about him? Uh, what's the one where he gets where he that where well, he shows up and there's Billy the flooding? Crystal. Well, that what, Billy what? Crystal, of course, claims that he was in the audience oh, yeah. for that. That right. he was one of the five people in the audience. And the story is that um, that's a good one. It, that that they, yeah. uh, they uh, it's at the Sahara. It's the Late Show. And there's, there's five people in the audience, and it's, you know, ladies and gentlemen, the Sahara is proud to present Red Fox full band. Red comes out. And now he's behind the mic. And he's behind the mic. He says, there's five fucking people here. I ain't doing no fucking show for five fucking people. Turns around, walks out, band. Red Fox, ladies and gentlemen. Because they were just told to play them on and play them off. That's a great one. But, of course, Billy Crystal was there. He's zealous. He was there that night. Now, the other thing, the other time that I saw you recently was it was a sad occasion. It was uh, uh, Richard Jenny had passed away and he was a, a good friend of both of ours. I had worked with him and he was. I worked for him, too. Yeah, he yeah. was a great. Uh, he was one of those guys that he really should have just lived on stage because he could not handle no. life off stage. On stage, he was great, and that's why he would do two, three hours. Great joke writer. Great joke yeah. writer. Really, uh, just a great uh, performer. So I had lunch with a. Uh, we had Adrian, my wife Adrian Tolsh, is a comic who who kn- knows you longer than she knows me. And then let me just tell you this story about one night at Catch a Rising Star with Gilbert and Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> this is a tremendous story. Where this is going already. Adrian happened to be wearing a tight top that night. And Gilbert walks up to her and says in the bar and says, "Let me see your tits." <laughs> and Adrian says, "Cost you 10 bucks." And Gilbert says, "10 bucks, I don't want to see your cunt." And absolutely true story. <laughs> So Adrian and I are having dinner with Rich Jenny, and I say, listen, I've been telling this story about you for years, and I don't even know whether it's true or not. And Jenny says, go ahead, tell me the story. He gets a part in the Clint Eastwood movie, Bird, about Charlie Parker, and he gets the perfect part for a comic, which is one scene it's all him. It's the perfect part. Yes. That, that's yes. all any comic wants. They want one scene where it's all them and they want to leave. So now he uh, he shows up and he shows up on time, which Jenny never did. She shows up and Clint Eastwood is renowned for he, every movie is under budget. Every day is an eight hour day. No more. He's loved by the studios because he just works right on the money. So he doesn't waste anybody time, every, uh, anybody's time. Everybody does their homework. So now, and he also uh, films uh, rehearsals. So now Jenny shows up for his scene, and uh, Clint says, "Okay, let's rehearse this scene." So Jenny does his scene; it's all him. And Clint says, uh, "Okay, that was good, but uh, could you do it less angry?" And Jenny, in front of the cast and the crew and everybody else, says, "I'm too angry. <laughs> Here's a guy comes into town, kills everybody." Clint Eastwood walks by the AD and just says, 
Get rid of him. That is it. <laughs> Jenny says, not only is that story true, he says, you tell it better than I do. <laughs> and I didn't tell that at his memorial. I that's couldn't great. believe that. Get rid of him. <laughs> so that's my Rich Jenny story. He was, a, he was a, an original, man. He was a piece of work. That's where I met Gilbert on, on uh, working for Rich Jenny. Wow. On Caroline's Comedy. That's right. Yeah, That's Gilbert right. came on and did an indecent proposal parody where yeah. he played Robert I, Redford. I was Robert Redford. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's right. It. Okay. Right. We're not made of stone. Yeah. I see it. <laughs> now, whenever Gilbert and I are together, we end up talking about uh, uh, a buddy, Mantia, who was a regular at Catch. <laughs> yeah, we know Buddy. Yeah, we know Buddy. Yeah. But this is not about Buddy Mantia. This is about Buddy Mantia was in, in a group, uh, Alto and Mantia, but before that, they were a threesome the called The Untouchables. Untouchables. Right. And the third guy was the funny guy, Marvin yes. Braverman. And the greatest story I ever heard about Marvin Braverman is uh, The Elephant Man, the movie, comes out. And it's a sensation. So now he's in a packed theater, and they're watching The Elephant Man. Packed theater. And there's a scene in The Elephant Man where the elephant man goes to the tailor and tries on a suit. And he's in the three-way mirror. And he says to the tailor, how do I look? And Marvin Brown in front of the full theater goes, the truth? <laughs> now, That's a great I, one. I, I remember with The Untouchables, yeah. they had a song. Yeah, they would open with that was I think originated by Whedon, Finkel, and Faye. Ah, and, wow! And they originated the song with their act, and right. uh, then the Untouchables took it. We're just a couple of guys with class. Yeah, we're up to our elbows in class. We know a million stories how the farmer's daughter got laid, but we're so goddamn classy that we piss lemonade. Yeah. We're a couple of guys with class. Yeah. Right. Did they At, do sketches? They did music. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. all sketch. Yeah. They had yeah, the yeah. gangster sketch. Once they had the gangster sketch. They did the Wizard of Oz in Italian. Uh, they had the soap opera sketch. They did. Um, uh, they did West Side Story. Oh yeah, it was a whole yeah. It was just <laughs> just classics, and they would then they would kill. They would kill, and then you know their audience passed away. So then they they went up, uh, Buddy and Bobby, and they would work in the mountains, and they would kill. They would kill, and it, it just. And I remember they. Um, they could never – they had the big gangster sketch yeah. and they could never get the ending <laughs> quite right. This is 20 years they were working. And here's, here's one ending that – and you can't – I don't know how this didn't work but the <laughs> – it's uh, uh, Bobby Alto who had a great face. He died a few years ago at the 2-1 pitch. And he, um, he had a great face and uh, he was the, the mother and, and uh, Buddy is the gangster on the lamb, and he goes to see his mother, and at the end, she's sick. She's sick. And um, uh, so the line is, here's how they close. And, and, then they and then they would sing Sonny Boy was the end. But the last line was, oh, oh, it's all going black. Uh, your eyesight, my no, the neighborhood. Uh, I love you so, Sonny boy. 
That was an ending that didn't oh, work. Oh, wow. That was an ending that well, didn't. Well, we owe Buddy a debt of gratitude. He, he hooked us up with Barbara Feldon for the, for the podcast, uh, which was very nice of him to do. Well, you know what? Larry Amrosh, when they were dating, Larry Amrosh used to call them 99 and 100. Was, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I have two Larry Amrosh stories. One is, uh, and Larry, and we were all together at Catch, and Larry is... You know, my my oldest friend in comedy. I hope Larry listens to the podcast. I hope he does, too. uh, I hope someone listens (laughs) to the podcast. My favorite bit of Larry's was he would talk about how his father never had a bad word to say about anybody. And they would try and test him all the time. So one time Larry says, oh, yeah, well, what about John Wayne Gacy? He murdered 38 people and he buried them under his house. And the father said... Well, he wasn't lazy, and he was a homeowner. That was, <laughs> so that was a funny. bit of Larry's. And Larry also had, I think, the the most unique exchange with somebody in the audience that I ever heard. And 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 for my money, the funniest because nobody could have ever come up with it except Larry. He's on stage at Caroline's when it was down on the docks, and there's a guy in front, and he's emceeing, and he was, and and anybody, he was as. I think he was the best MC of all that era. I mean, nobody came up with more original stuff just talking to the audience. And so there's a guy, and I was on the show that night. So he's talking to a guy in the audience. Anybody from out of town? Guy up front raises his hand. Where are you from? I'm from Grover's Mountain, Vermont. And Larry is about to say, What do you do? And the guy says, It was named for a man named Grover who climbed to the top of the mountain. And Larry said, well, thank God they didn't catch him throwing up in a shell station. (laughs) To me. He was fast. Oh, my God. Nobody, nobody faster. Nobody faster. Now, there were all those comics back then. They were like Larry David. Well, Larry. be at the clubs all the time. Well, Larry. I mean, my the first time I ever saw Larry was December of of, uh, 1981. And. What would happen back then is all the comics that had moved to L.A. would come back to New York to be with their families for the holidays. And so the shows were amazing. So now I get to catch and there's a hush. You know, Larry David's here. And this is when he's working on Fridays. And so I'm in the bar and it's me and Ron Zimmerman. and, And we see Larry. He's pacing back and forth in the bar. And uh Ron Zimmerman says to him, hey, what's with the pacing? And Larry David said, do you know Woody Allen used to throw up before I went on every time? And I said, oh, I got to go see this guy. <laughs> so now he goes on and it's prime time. It's 10 o'clock and the place is packed and he, I got to see this. So he gets on stage. First two lines kill, you know, you know what they say about attractive people. We're not well liked and all that great. Can I use the two form with you people? Because I think Usted is two form, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. First two lines kill, then another line doesn't do that well. And he says, is it, uh, is it hot in here? Then he does a couple of lines that kill, and then a line doesn't do that well. It's really, really hot in here. Then he does a line that does well, and does a line that does. You know, you, you pay this kind of money, and then the air conditioning is faulty. <laughs> you know, now the audience says they don't know what's going Now he does two lines in a row that go nowhere. You know, it's really, really hot in here. And a guy in the audience makes the mistake of saying, hey, what's your problem? 
And Larry says, what's my problem? I'll tell you what my problem is. I come in here and it's fucking one And he storms off the stage. And little did I know that this was something he did all the time. Yeah, Susie Essman oh. told us he stormed out because he was doing a joke about a bungalow and some woman said, what's a bungalow? Yeah. <laughs> this he, would, he would get into a fight on stage within two minutes. Absolutely. <laughs> and it was that when he – it was a miracle – when he could do his 20 minutes. One time, Larry was on stage, and he would get into fights in a second. In a second. Like, and sometimes even when he was doing well, right. one guy wouldn't laugh. And he got into this fight, and they're getting really angry at each other. And finally, this guy screams in the audience, screams out at Larry, Oh, yeah? Well, your mother fucks my dog. Yeah. And Larry goes... Well, I bet your dog doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, he wrote a Cinemax comedy experiment for Gilbert. Oh, yes. You, you remember uh, Norman's, Norman's Corner. Corner. Oh, right. One of those few failures. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it about... almost stopped. It, it's funny. that Norman's Corner that he wrote for me uh, was so bad that when uh, they were going to be doing Seinfeld... And Seinfeld, they said, well, he's got Larry David uh, writing it. And they said, isn't he the one that wrote that piece of shit for Gilbert Gottfried? I mean, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) One time he was getting heckled at the improv by Elvis Costello. Oh, yes. I remember. Listen, you British fuck. That was that was the end of it. (laughs) Had no idea. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. No, it was it, – and, and especially when he was doing well. Now, one night – and we used to um, – uh, no, he wasn't on this show. You were on this show. It was you. Remember we used to play Liz Walensky's little club at the duplex? Oh, my – yes, so, yes. So listen. So I'm – this is this – is, it's because I thought – when you think of Larry, you think of Bob Shaw. So I'm oh, emceeing. Bob Shaw, yeah. And Bob Shaw's in the middle. You're closing. Yeah. So uh, I go on. I do whatever it is I do. And then uh, Bob Shaw goes on and he's talking to a guy in the audience and he says to the guy, uh, where are you from? I'm from Oklahoma City. And what do you do in Oklahoma City? I'm a psychiatrist. Really? You're a psychiatrist in Oklahoma City? Well, what do you you charge? (laughs) The guy says, "Uh, I charge uh, $50 for a half hour. And, And Bob Shaw says, a half hour? He says, you know... Everywhere, everything you ever read about psychotherapy, it's the 50-minute hour, the 50-minute Now, are you, are you that good that you only need a half hour or are people so boring in Oklahoma City that all you need is a half hour? And then he does the – Doc – how many times do we have to go over it? I jerked off once when I was 13. I feel real bad about it, and I'll never do it again. <laughs> <laughs> he became a writer, Bob Shaw. I think oh, he absolutely. A, he, he wrote was a Pixar always... movie. With, I think he wrote A Bug's Life with, uh, with he, a guy named Don McHenry, Absolutely, who was a comic, right, and right. they had a deal with Disney right. for years. Funny guy. And they wrote, uh, they wrote an early Seinfeld, which yeah. was... Plus, he's the cabbie in Seinfeld. He's that angry cabbie right. in, in one episode. He, he's the angry cabbie, and yeah. he's also a policeman. That's right. And it's the last scene where the uh, the the Richard Gant, who's a veteran, uh, 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 a black actor, he's been in a lot of th- and he says, uh, "Do you know that there's a there's a diner downtown that only has large oh, breasted yes, waitresses?" Yes. And Bob Shaw goes, "Really? That's <laughs> perfect." 
Funny guy. Very Bob funny Shaw. guy. Very funny guy. Very strong. And they were big. They were big. Uh, they were big pals. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, the other uh, – I'm running through my stories. I'm very happy about this. <laughs> yeah. When I worked on the Oscars in 2005, I wrote for the Oscars and Chris Rock hired all these – uh, comics that he liked and knew. Jenny was one of them. Jenny was yeah, one of them. Yeah, I remember. Jenny was one of them. And and uh, he hired, among others, he hired uh, Richie Voss and he hired Nick DiPaolo. And Nick DiPaolo would just brutalize Richie Voss. And one time, the three of us <laughs> were waiting out in front of the hotel for the car to come. And Richie Voss was wearing like a sleeveless shirt and he had a tattoo on his uh, arm that said, never again. And DiPaolo said to him, what, did a club owner give that to you after you headlined? <laughs> and we're waiting for a car and he comes up with that. I've always said, and you know, and I know that, I mean, you know, Louis C.K. has been huge and all the guys, but, but I always say if there was, if there was a, a cul-de-sac and there were two comedy clubs at the end of the cul-de-sac, and, 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 and I don't care who was in one club, but if Nick DiPaolo was in the other club, I'd go into the other club just because you know some guy is you know, just going <laughs> to terrorize some guy. You know he's going to be pissed off. He, you know it's going to be an event. He said maybe one of the funniest jokes I ever heard on a roast, Nick. I hope it was his joke. was the Pam Anderson roast. And yeah. he said, I spent so much time jerking off to Baywatch, I had to hire a Dominican guy to stand next to the set with a squeegee. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, he used to do a bit, he used to do a bit about women who wear pantyhose and, and no panties. He said, it looks like Fidel Castro trying to rob a bank. <laughs> a tremendous line. I and that's what he was starting. I to all these guys, too. Larry Amaros and Bob Shaw. Funny guys that people should Google. I would be remiss if I didn't tell some stories about Dave, who loved you. You know, you were on the old show all the time, and every time he would make you do Gleason oh, yeah. in oh, Casablanca. Oh, we just saw a clip of that. Yeah, making you do the Gleason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was, great. was uh, Jackie Gleason in Casablanca. Yeah. You're getting on that plane with Vic Laszlo. <laughs> oh, I know you're getting on that plane, all right? Because if you don't, you're going to regret it. Maybe not today, <laughs> and maybe not tomorrow, but show that for the rest of your life. I just sent you the clip. And yes. what about, and, 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 and have you done on this, have you done 
uh, uh, Humphrey Bogart in the post office. Oh, oh. Did, he just did Bogart this morning for Artie. Yeah, good. He, yeah, you said, Humphrey, uh, Humphrey yeah. Bogart in the post. Damn. Okay. Now, what about uh, 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 Peter Laurie? <laughs> when you've uh, talked, uh, when when you you think the story's going to be short, and the guy keeps going on and on with the story, this is Peter Laurie. Do you oh, remember that? Wait, let's see. When, when you when you're telling a, Peter Laurie, when you're telling a story <laughs> that's uh, too long, and he wants you to get to the end of it, and yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't there a bit of? And a... then oh, uh, Bella Lagozzi, oh, when yeah, you ask him what time that's it is, that's the one. I was oh yeah, that. yeah. Bella Lugosi, when you ask Bella Lugosi asks when you ask him what time it is. Ten. <laughs> <laughs> what about Jerry Lewis and Tommy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would yeah. wear, that wear you out. See me. Well, that was. Yeah. Feel me. Touch me. See me. Yeah. Feel me. <laughs> see me. He's one of the reasons I tell him, Bill, that I got into comedy. I saw him at uh, at the comic strip in what the seventies. You were doing you were doing stand up in the late seventies. Sure. And yeah. I saw him do the Ted Bessel does Jessel. And the oh, Jewish wow. press says, I yeah. like Bessel, but only Abyssal. And I said, right. this is the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. And uh, Adrian once went up for an audition with Ted Bessel <laughs> and, wow. and, and, and turned it. to him before and said, do me a favor. Could you tell Mar- uh, Marlo Thomas to blink once in a while? And that was it. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I would do Letterman, I do my set and I sit down on panel. And he would always ask me to do the Gleason. Oh, he loved it. He loved the. Uh, he loved it. And I would. And I do the Dean Martin thing with him in the in the dressing room. The thing that he he uh, he loved. He's like any other comic. He loves other comics bits that he remembers. Oh yeah. Uh, you know he would love. I would do uh, Leno stuff. You know he didn't want to talk about Leno, but if I all of a sudden said to him, you know Kirk. Two knowns and then an unknown. He'll say, of course, you men are familiar with the works of Plato, Aristotle, and Cremus from Remulac 7. He would love that. Not many people would know this but you, Bill. But if you watch him, because you're you're saying about how he loved comics, watching him do like Tim Thomerson's Charles Bronson bit that he would work into, just banter with Paul. And you'd say, how many people are catching that? Right. Comics he loved, like Johnny Dark, the right. people that he would bring on the show. And he channeled these little bits. Well, yeah, there, he, were, there were times when he'd come out with some <laughs> some nasty, sarcastic remark about something. And I remember one time in the middle of the show, he turned to Paul and said, uh, Paul, have you seen <laughs> Susical the Musical? <laughs> He would. That was. Yeah. That yeah. was. It, it was in the. It would be in the middle. It would be after he sat down, and 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 the show would be have right. would have started, yeah. and there were many obligations of the host, and he would say he'd be in the middle, and all of a sudden say, "Paul, guess I guess who I ran into at the grocery store over the weekend." Mrs. Hulk Hogan. Okay, on the show tonight. That's great. Yeah, he would do that. He was doing that bit that Tim Thomerson used to do about about uh, go, Charles Bronson going into McDonald's. Do you remember? He the, would do, it was, absolutely. Yeah. It would yeah. be uh, he zit face. And he and just quit a pounder. Well, it. the other he thing he would do, it. he would do the I dug 17 tunnels yeah, with my face. face. Yeah, that's the other thing. And then Thomerson came on the show and, right. did, a, and did a recurring uh, character. 
Absolutely. Yeah. He did the uh, – it was the uh, – oh, God, what was the guy? Billy Bob or it was some yeah, – I'm trying character. to remember. It was a Western yeah, kind of a it, thing. Yeah. And, and how did um, and Larry Dark, Bud Melman come about? Well, the two guys that you know – Yes, Steve the, and Carl. Right. They found this guy at NYU Film – they were at NYU Film School and they, he walked in. I think he was, an, he was a part-time actor and he was – if I understand this, if I have the story right, he was working as a receptionist in a rehab in like a like a daytop village. That's right. That's right. And they brought him in to, to be audition. in the King of the Z's. Right. This movie that they made about was was an, an uh, a, I guess a parody of Samuel Z. Arkoff or right. Roger Corman or, right. or or you know a Schlockmeister like that. And uh, that's and what happened after that? I guess Dave fell in love with Dave. Him Dave loved him. That's how they got hired. Calvert. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and you know he was just a sensation. And and and, and very few guys. Uh, early on, you know, the thing that they always said about the old show, which is true, is that the old show on NBC that we celebrated failure. And you know, Calvert was the mayor of that yeah, town. Great. I mean, Larry, I the mic, and, holding the mic out to other people uh, yeah, while he would and, speak, and he would Just kill great. Dave. You know, uh, and Dave loved it. Well, we showed a clip on the last show. All the bumpers were from the old show, either the morning show, or the NBC show, and one of the bumpers we showed was Calvert as Santa Claus. Oh, reading the night before great. Christmas, and he reads through lines. He says, "All right, now I got to read Spanish." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was always so put upon. Now there, there was another story you got asked about, and this yes. was the infamous Academy Award episode that Letterman hosted with the Uma Oprah, right? Where uh, Uma. Uma Thurman and Oprah Winfrey were both there, right. and they would go cameras back and forth. Uma, right. Oprah, right? And right. Well, what happened was we had we had the monologue in place, and and I had to run it by standards, and and I run the monologue by them, and the woman says this is great, and we're all set, we're ready to go, and now it's a half hour before the show, and Rob Burnett, who was the one of the producers at the time, he had been the head writer. It was still the head writer. No, he was one of the producers. And he was, uh, he'd been a writer on the show for a long time. And this is a half hour before the show. And he says in the dressing room, Uma Oprah, Oprah Uma, which is something we used to do on the top 10 all the time. It was like a sort of a standard formula in the top 10. Dave says, this is great. We, we gotta, we gotta open with this. So, uh, I say, you know, that would probably be good like midway through. I don't know if you and Dave, he loved it. He says, no, this has got to be this has got to be the way that I come out. And he was so excited about it. And uh, I thought, well, the guy's excited about it. And he and Keanu, Uma, you know, so now and this is. 1995, so you know there were like three cell phones. I didn't have a cell phone, so I remember calling Adrian right before the show started, and I said they're going to do something at the top of the show. I really, really hope it works, but I'm not sure. And he came out of the shoot, Dave, and he does it, and it doesn't, it doesn't go, and he had to. I think it staggered him, and I think and, and he uh, it took him a while to recover. Now the monologue actually did well, and there was a tape piece after that with him with cab drivers uh, that went very well. But of course, that was the only thing people talked about, and he actually ended up 
doing very well. There were some great moments. There was a long tape piece about other actors auditioning for his role in Cabin Oh, the Want to Buy a Monkey. Want to Buy a Monkey. And it was great. And the, and the thing got huge, huge ratings, but he was only forever only remembered for that moment. And it was really, um, it was really too bad. Now, in terms of what I do, did for a living for a long time, being a monologue writer, we could always tap into that every year. It was a great source of, you know, every time the Oscars came around, we would always do the joke, you know, they called me today and they said that my lifetime ban was still in effect. And we would always do jokes about the fact that he had bombed there. But I, I always thought that it was a tremendous misca- mischaracterization. Yeah, I think he was too hard on himself, too. It was a funny show. I mean, if but you he go back just got, but it, that's all that people talked about yeah. was that it was a stupid Petrix segment, too. I remember a right, dog absolutely. pulling a vacuum cleaner out of a closet. Right. And I th- that audience just wasn't, you know, they weren't no, going to give was, it up for you Dave know, But I remember, I remember a week before the Oscars, I remember Leonard Nimoy. No, not Leonard Nimoy. Martin Landau, who was up for, who actually won for Ed Wood, right. being quoted saying, I hope he's not too uh, irreverent. And it was all kind of set up. It's like, this is our town. And you got to really... You know, they want their ass kissed. I mean, it's their night. It's the, you know, and... Uh, but in his defense, nobody does well. <laughs> well, the Chris, thing... Chris you know, and then, and then, and then, and then 10 years later, I work with Chris. Right. And, and I thought that, that Chris did a great job, but yet it was, you know, he made fun of Jude Law and nobody's allowed to make fun of Jude Law. And it's just sort of silly. And, and what they do is they kind of hold their finger up to the wind after the thing's over, and if the ratings aren't that good, uh, then all of a sudden the whispering starts. But with Dave, the ratings were like record ratings. So I never really understood that, and, um, you know, it's... uh... I can still remember. I mean, I just... And I remember, and I knew it hadn't gone well, and I remember after the show, uh, changing out of my tux with Rob Burnett, and Rob Burnett said to me, I got to fly to London tomorrow. Save me all of the reviews. And I thought, really? You know, because I knew we were going to get killed. And then the other thing he said to me was, this is going to be, now that we know how to do it, this is going to be so much easier when we do it next year. And I, that was the last two things he said to me because oh. he had thought it was top to bottom. And I knew it was going to be it was going to be rough it was going to be rough but the thing that drove me crazy about that was not that night but is is the revisionist history that because dave didn't do well at the oscars that was uh wh- how leno passed us which is just absolutely not true the o- the oscars were in february leno didn't pass us till june so all of a sudden 4 months later people thought you know, let's punish Dave for not being good at this. I mean, that's not how yeah. it happened at all. And it's I always thought that that was tremendously unfair. And props to whoever came up with the idea of putting we're number three in late night. That was Dave's. That was Dave's idea. Very smart. That tell, was, tell us a little bit about just because I think people are curious about you going to work there in the first place. I mean, you had done five packets before. Right. Do I have that number right? Yeah, before absolutely. you actually ever got hired. Right. I, I had submitted. And you were simultaneously trying to get on as a comic. Right. Which I, I was, you know, I guess I was kind of close to getting on as a comic, but that's right. And I and I turned in, fi- I tried uh, 83, 83, 84, 85, 86, 87. And then I took a couple of years off. <laughs> and then I, because it wasn't, and you know, in show business, if 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 they want you, they'll be in touch. 
And if they don't want you, they're not in touch. It's very yeah. clear cut. It, um, uh, so it's 1991 and I run into Bob Morton at the Friars and I knew him from catch. He would always come in to yeah. see the comics and I was always close and he knew I was submitting and um, – and I said to him, are you looking for anybody? And he says, no, we're not looking for anybody. He says, but you know, you know, your packets are, are full packets. He said, just write jokes because Dave is always looking for jokes. So I said, OK, fine. So I wrote jokes every day that week and I would walk them over to NBC and turn them in. And uh, so uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then I get a call from Morton Thursday night. Now, you, if you remember – Bob Morton never called a comic back in his life. He was notorious for that. He calls me at my house and says, Dave did one of your jokes tonight. And the first joke I ever got on, this is October of 1991, and the joke was, well, Elizabeth Taylor and her new husband, Larry Fortensky, had their first fight. It was over whether or not he should unpack. (laughs) (laughs) I remember the joke. That was my first joke. And then the next night, he did another joke of mine. And this is back at NBC when the monologue was three jokes long. He only did three jokes. So Morton calls me again and he says, this is unbelievable. He says, you got jokes on two nights in a row. He says, we got writers here that don't get things on for months. And so I said, like Peter Laurie, and I said, and he said, well, it turns out we have an opening for a monologue writer. I said, well, what else do I have to do? He says, no, you're fine. And then I went to. Adrian and I were working in Vegas the next week. And so it was all I could do not to think about this. And then I came back. And I met him and he had met me a couple of times at the club when he would come in. And I remember – and Adrian loves to tell this story where one night he would stay and watch you and then one night you came off stage and he went up to you and he said, you keep doing whatever it is you're doing up there. It's vintage. Whatever it is, whatever that is, you keep doing that. And – so I go in and he recognized me because I had gone with a couple of comics when they were on the show. I went with Mendoza. I went with Marr when they would appear oh, on the John show. Oh, John Mendoza. Yeah, yeah. Funny guy. Oh, my God. And um, so uh, John Mendoza is one of those guys who, uh, like a lot of really good comics, uh, they have great lines that they only did like a couple of times. And his one of his great lines is he would get on stage and he would say, any uh, any Vietnam vets out there? All right, I'm the only one again. And that was – I used to love that because nobody – of course, everybody had gotten out of Vietnam yeah. in the audience. Um, uh, so I go in and I have the meeting with Dave and he recognized me and so we talk and he keeps saying to me, I hope we can work something out. And it's like, what do, what do you mean you hope we – fucking ask me, you know? And, and then he said uh, – and it was me and him and Steve O'Donnell, the head writer and Morty and a couple other producers. And then he said, well, go – Go talk to Steve and then make sure you come back here and say goodbye before you leave. It's very I stunned by that. So I meet with Steve and again I hope we can work something out, you know. Come on. Another very funny guy. Oh Steve hilarious. Oh, oh very you know, one of the when they write the history uh, of of late night comedy. He gets a big yep. chapter. I mean, he really, really smart. his brother was uh, a good writer too. His was a brilliant Mark, playwright. Was a yeah. yeah, playwright, and uh, died a couple of years yeah. ago. Brilliant Tragically. guys. Yeah, two guys. And um, so I finished talking with Steve, and I come back to say goodbye to Dave, and and he he said, "I like your jokes." I said, "Well, I got I got your voice in my head. I got it." And and this is the only piece of advice 
practical advice he ever gave me about writing jokes. He said, look, uh, you got to keep it under four lines. I don't care how good the joke is. If it's over four lines, it won't fit on a cue card. And that was the only piece of practical advice he ever gave me, only feedback he ever gave me about writing jokes. He just let you go on your own. Of course, as the show evolved, rarely did I write a joke over two lines. But that was his advice back then. And then the last thing I said to him was, because uh, I used to play a lot of ball in the park. I said, I hear your softball team needs a center fielder. And he says, we need everything. And then I got hired the next day. Didn't you talk about cigars too? Yes, we yeah. did. We yeah. talked about cigars. Yeah. We, we, that's right. And then when I get hired, um, uh, I, uh, I st- uh, my first day, I keep shutting the door to my office. And his assistant comes by and says, uh, Dave would like you to leave your door open. Because he had quit smoking cigars so he could smell I love cigars. That. So I go, okay, fine. And then like two weeks later, uh, Dave would like you to switch offices with Jill Davis so you could be in the office next to him and keep your door open. And then, and then like two days later, he was smoking again. So it's like my job was done. I had to leave. <laughs> and congrats on that last monologue, which was well, just so strong. It was you and Steve Young and – it's me, and, it's me and, and Steve Young and Chris yeah, Belair really? and Mahone and Barry who wrote for Carson yeah, sure. for, for, for 20 years and uh, and Chris Albers who wrote for us for a little while. I know Chris. Yeah, it was yeah, that. That was, was the uh, Gabor, keeping up with the Gabors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the boys. The boys did that. Yeah, really yeah, funny. Yeah. Really funny. And we should just quick before jump, maybe moving off Letterman, but we should give a shout out to I just read yesterday about to this intern who wrote a couple of the top 10 uh, uh, jokes. Yeah, well, and that, I saw you online. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. and, and and she praising was, her. Yeah, well, that was a great thing, and and I'll never forget they, the day of the last show, they handed out what were what was the final top ten at the time in the morning, and they hand her, and I hear I see her go, <gasps> and she starts to cry, and she had she had Bill Murray's line, and so everybody was thrilled for her. She's a very sweet girl, very smart, very smart girl. We really liked her, you know. With interns, you know, the difference between men and women interns, you know, women, uh, they they work hard, they come in early, they stay late, they work really hard, and guy interns just want to be mistaken for a writer. You know, they, they, they just, so she was great. So, and, and then I see her at the at the rap party afterwards, and I said, what a big day for you. You had the number one in the top ten. She said, I had the top two because they had switched – Tina's Tina Tina so yeah. she had, and they turned in hers. Good so, for her. Yeah. Congratulations to her. Caroline Shaper was her name. Good for her. We got to ask you this now, Gil- Gilbert. You know, because you're a sports guy, right? And uh, and so's Gilbert. And Gilbert yes. is, as yeah. we know. <laughs> now we do a little mini episode, Bill, during the week, and Gilbert, to my surprise and shock, recommended a sports movie. He talked about Bang the Drum Slowly. Ah. Uh. Um, and he and he sang. We won't. We'll spare you him yeah. singing yeah. The, the song <laughs> yeah. because we did it to Artie this morning. But give us uh, – you, you're a movie buff. You're a movie watcher. I've seen sure. you talk about the Marx Brothers. Sure. Be- uh, worst sports movie ever made. I got to go with – and I know he's a friend of all of ours. But I got to go with Billy Crystal's 61 because <laughs> – I thought you were going to go for like a Babe Ruth story. Because for, for two reasons. Uh, Linda Stassi from when she was at the Post at yeah. the time – is reviewing the movie, and the first line of her review is, I was watching this movie, 
and a friend of mine came in as Mickey Man as the actors playing Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris were running in from the outfield and I said to him, What do you think this movie's about? And he said, Gay cops? And so <laughs> and then there's a scene at the end of sixty one where uh 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 He's a friend of yours, and it was uh, Mercedes Hall's kid, Michael. Uh, um, you know Michael. Oh, my uh, Anthony Michael Anthony Hall. Michael yeah, Hall. Anthony Michael Hall. Okay, yeah. so he played he played Whitey Ford, and there's a scene at the end of the movie where Roger, the Roger Maris character, he's hit his 61st homer, and he's at his locker. <laughs> he's at his locker, and the Bat Boy comes over. And is a foot taller than him, and I, the bad boy is a foot taller. Than, I, I just, you know, that is right. That is right up there as far as I'm concerned with uh, a bad uh, sportsman. But you know, uh, Bang the Drum Slowly, it was is uh, was a good movie, a great book, and uh, the the last line of it was. Uh, the first uh, I put I'll, it, it, I'll never rag anybody from now on I rag no I rag yeah, on I rag no, nobody. nobody yeah one of the great lines of all time very good that's very yeah but um, you shock me Gil <laughs> yeah. the man knows nothing about sports we have a sports sponsor DraftKings and he just he just but I know sports I know baseball players have very strange names <laughs> <laughs> And you, you know, you wrote for Sports Illustrated. Yes, Your I did. uncle was a famous golf writer. My uncle was Herbert Warren Wynn. I wrote for Sports. I had a common Sports Illustrated for three years called The Show, which was the perfect marriage of all my careers, which was just topical jokes about sports. And um, you know, I loved it. You could never do a column like that now because of Twitter. People just react instantaneously, and you right. can read a lot of. I wouldn't know it. <laughs> It's it's you know what what you have to do is a guy will come in and install the Twitter machine in your house. <laughs> I'll tell you what's great about uh, uh, Twitter is you can um, you know you can post the jokes that sure. your people don't take. Sure, sure, sure. Because I had you know I, I had plenty one, of that. Yeah, right. I had one that I loved, which was when they had the uh, the earthquake in California, and it measured in in Los Angeles it measured uh, seven point four. Three point one in the eighteen to forty nine demographic. <laughs> you know, my favorite, but people, uh, I'll tell you my favorite. I, my two favorite jokes I ever wrote for Dave. Um, the first one was Frank Sinatra had come out with his own line of signature neckwear, and the joke was, "I hope I'm not too late for with a name for this." Alleged mob ties. That's funny. Dave's <laughs> funny joke. Dave said, "You know, God wrote this joke." And That's then the other one, joke. which I talked him into, was a few months ago, when Pope Francis uh, had said, Pope Francis said that he would not judge gay priests. But I believe his exact words were, "Let he, let he who is without sin." cast the first musical and that was That's another great yeah, joke that was, i loved how he would do the same joke two nights in a row if he believed in it well yeah. he would do it he would do it a because he believed it but he would do it because he knew that the people watching at home were not the same people night after night so it was it was very stand up too as well and, you know if a thing works he would do one it. of my favorite things he did he had on sir alec guinness uh, and he said now, you had one of the greatest lines, a legendary line in movies, and would, would 
would you say it for us? You know, it's yeah. in Star Wars. Would you? Yeah. And and he goes, no, no, I really. And he goes, no, please, we all want to hear it. And and the audience is cheering. Yeah. And finally goes, oh, all right, may the force be with you. And Letterman goes, yeah, well, that's not the line I meant, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. yeah. Oh, that I was, was, was it. Blagojevich that came on and said, I, "I wanted to do your show, show in the, the worst, worst way. way." Well, you did it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're doing now, it the other the one way. is when we come out of commercial, and Richard Simmons is all oiled up, and he's he's grabbed one of Dave's cigars, and he's very languidly pantomime yeah. and smoking, and he says, "David, will you teach me how to smoke a cigar?" Uh, Richard, I think you got the hang of it already. <laughs> and you know, he's fake horrified. And he turned the fire extinguisher on him. Oh, that was, yeah. yeah. Well, that was the last yeah. time he was on. Because yeah. then he was, you know, with uh, with Richard Simmons, you know, then you had to call the ambulance, the fake ambulance for the fake, you know, heart attack. And I mean, he was a great guest when he was, you know. Yeah. When he would show up. Who came up with the strong guy, the fat guy, and the genius? A piece of comedy I love. That was a Rob Burnett piece. That was when Rob Burnett was the head writer. That was back at NBC and we repeated it. God damn it, CBS. that was funny. Yeah. yeah. And I remember also he had on one of those inventors, the kid inventors. Right, right. And, uh, and Letterman goes, okay, uh, so show us the invention. Yeah. And the kid goes... It's not the. It's oh yeah, the. yeah 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 yeah. And Letterman goes, well, we might not have time for the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, so many moments. There's there's a million. Uh, yeah, we're uh, telling Paul that montage at the end. Just well, to that was see. Barbara Gaines. Barbara Gaines. I yeah. just saw you giving her credit online. But what an amazing thing to see. Six months it took her to do. It was just, and she had. Everything in there. And what happened with that guy, I forget his name already, from Back to the Future? Oh, Crispin Glover. Yeah. Oh, Bill and I were talking about it before. Tried to throw a kickbox. At- yeah, and it was one of the – yeah, it was – I think it's one of those things where the um, – where people fall in love with the idea of something rather than the reality of something. So the idea of The Letterman Show was – be wacky, yeah. Be crazy. It's the anti-show. Right. It's not like your father's Tonight Show. And so I think that he thought, well, this will be great. I'll do some kind of roundhouse kick. And you know, Letterman just stopped everything and says, you know, we'll be right back. And there were always those weirdo interviews. Harmony Corinne, the screenwriter, but, but, but did a that weird was, one. But that was okay, and that was yeah. a little farther along. Yeah. And, and Dave uh, knew. What was going on, and and, and Dave kind of grew to uh, to love that 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 the weirder it was, you know, like the Joaquin Phoenix. Even though uh, I think that he was on to, I don't think he was in on it. No, he wasn't in on it, but he was on to the fact that it was sure. all kind of nonsense. And it's like, okay, this is good. I'm going to have a good time with this. And 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 the the the, the line that people always quote is, well, it would have been great if you could have been here tonight. But to me, the line that I love was way was was a, a few minutes before that where he wasn't talking. Joaquin and Dame says, "Could you share about with us about your time with the Unabomber?" And that was, <laughs> and you could see that he almost broke a couple of times. But uh, you know, the the longer he did this, Dave, 
the more he loved when he would have to think on his feet. And and in that same one, I think he said, I, well, I think I owe an apology to Farrah Fawcett. That was my line. Oh. I gave him that line. Now, what was the Farrah Fawcett incident? Well, she – I think that she was a little – I think that it was a little medication <laughs> thing where she just didn't it quite so. get it right before yeah. she came on. And um, there's there's that theory and then there's Dave's theory – which was she was doing uh, a character. She was doing a wacky character like uh, like Carol Wayne on The Tonight, you know, where you're just sort of playing this sort of ditzy thing. But the thing that I remember about that, and I don't know if they show <laughs> if they showed this, forget the interview. Her entrance was phenomenal because she, uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, Farrah Fawcett, and she kind of backs out and she's looking on the floor of the stage for her lipstick. That's how she enters. <laughs> I mean, to me, it was great. I mean, I don't know if the camera got that. It was probably, oh, Jesus, this is a mistake. Get on Dave. But that was, you know, you knew this was this was going to be great. It's one of the reasons he was a great broadcaster. He'd work with anything that, that came out. You know, if even an actor that was boring that you could see he wasn't really engaged with, he would make something out of it. Well, the thing that, you know, uh, look... I I was there for a lot of it, like 10 feet away. And uh, I can't tell you how many times that he would be talking to an actor and he would say, let me tell you what I loved about this movie. There's a scene and he would quote this scene and, and uh, you know, get in debt. He said, and I love that. And it was so vivid. And and then they would show the clip and, they, well, thank you so much. And walk away. And I would – because he saw every movie. And I would – and I can't tell you how many times I walked up to him and I said, so you like that movie? And he would go, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, are you – so you're a better actor than the guy that came on. It was amazing. I seem to remember him not enjoying Leonardo DiCaprio on the show. And I and I don't remember him being well. He kept calling him DiCaprio, and he kept saying he <laughs> right. loved doing that. Right, right. It's DiCaprio. There was tension. It's, yeah, and well, it was always um, because when you do it for that long, and you know, uh, and you you have firsthand knowledge of the big stars that behave and get it, and then all of a sudden a guy comes on and he doesn't think he has to participate in the process, you know, it'd be one thing if, okay, I guess this is the way it is that every big star, you know, thinks this is beneath him. And then it's like, okay, fine. But, you know, Clooney was a tremendous guest. You know, Jennifer Lawrence, I mean, oh, yeah, he was they great were with her. great. Great with they her. They were great. Great with but, Tom Hanks, the slappy white story. Yeah, I mean, Tom Hanks, yeah, and Tom Hanks is the kind of guy that would show up three hours early and tape stuff with the writers for yeah. future shows. You know, he was a phenomenal... Don't phenom bend the shafts. Phenom right, don't <laughs> bend the shafts. This was the last thing he did on the old show. Right. He was a phenomenal uh, uh, guest. He's a very, very generous guy. Now, Martin Short is all, will always be my favorite guest. And Martin Short, my favorite line of... Uh, well, he would come out and be the same thing every time. Martin Short would come out and say, can I, can I just say something to you? You look 
fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. I was watching on the monitor. You have a boyish quality. I thought, is Rachel Maddow guest hosting the show? It would always be a line like that. And then he would do, and this is one of my favorite things that he does, that it's the very earnest sounding compliment that is not a compliment. And he, one time he said to Dave, let me just say something. I admire the decision you've made to wear your suits tighter. I mean, <laughs> he, yeah, I mean, and, and you've talked about commitment too. And Marty Short is the is the king of committing. It, well, that's to the whole a, thing. That's and 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 Adrian and I talk about and this. It took us like thirty years to figure it out. Is that the the comics that are successful? It's complete commitment yeah. to the material. Yeah. It's utter, you know, whether it's it's good or okay. I mean, that's the thing about Rickles. I mean, if anybody else is doing those lines, they're nothing. They're nonsense. But when Rickles comes out and sits down <laughs> and says to Dave, great to be on a show that's not catching on. Then, <laughs> a little bit of salesmanship. Oh, my goodness. But that's, yeah, that's yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I um, – and then he would – he'd do that and then he would turn to Paul and he'd say – Paul, uh, I talked to the producers. The money's going to be about the same. And then he would go back. <laughs> Great. I mean, that's nothing. That doesn't mean it. There's no there, – that line is nothing. It's attitude and, and, and salesmanship right. and but commitment. It's, but, yeah. But, yeah, but yeah. it's not – but we know a lot of guys where it's, it's, it's all attitude and there's sort of nothing behind it. But the commitment yeah. – oh, my God. Mar- Martin's it's, a joy to watch for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. Nathan yeah. Lane too will commit to a, to a bit. Well, I, yeah, Nathan and Nathan. <laughs> the thing about Nathan is that he would write. He and Matt Roberts, who became the head writer, they would write these ten minute segments for him, and they would write it the night before. And by the next day, Nathan had yeah. it memorized. Yeah, the last song was great. Oh, that was that was yeah. a great that Matt wrote that song. Yeah, it was great. Now. Uh, did you work the Jerry Lewis – I think you worked the Jerry Lewis roast, didn't you, the Friday? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now um, Nathan was on that roast <laughs> and the night before – so Matt and I are writing for him and uh, I had written this joke and you know we're, we're at like Odeon downtown and it's packed and the joke was uh, you know uh, Jerry and I uh, have a lot in common. Uh, we uh, we both grew up wherever we grew up, and we both have the same middle name. You know, like that. Yeah, That's yeah. the joke. And Nathan loved that, and he kept say, and he kept drinking, and it would get louder and louder. And he would say, "All right, let me just try this joke again." And he would do it louder yeah. and louder every time. <laughs> and Matt and I were looking away, but uh, Nathan is he's great. He really is. Uh, I just love. Um, I love watching him. He's uh, so twenty-four years, Bill. Yeah. How do you? We we had Paul here the other night, which we told you, and we said, "How do you feel?" I mean, he Paul said, you know, he's using the word gratitude. Right. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. Has it I, hit you yet? No. <laughs> I'll be the last to know how I feel. I people ask me, "What are you going to do?" And I said, "I'm going right from the show to the state hospital," and because it's all that. Um, you know, it's your whole life for so long, and there were so many of us that worked there. So many years, you know, Barbara Gaines was there 35 yeah. years. Jude yeah. Brennan was 35 years. Nancy Agostini was who runs the show from the floor. And Biff. Was the, and Biff. Yeah. It was the first writer's intern and she was there 22 years. So And Steve. 
And Steve, yeah, yeah. Steve Young, yeah. Steve Young was the longest uh, tenured writer. Steve Young had a year more than I did, and uh, so I don't, you know, I just don't, I don't quite understand it. I don't think I, I don't think I will uh, uh, understand it. But it, you know, it's it's an unbelievable experience um, to have started at NBC and to be there all through uh, CBS and. You know, it's six thousand shows. It's insane. It's insane. And uh, you know, and you know, Jay is thinking, yeah, I think I could do another six thousand. <laughs> you, your whole thing was your whole Jay bit was Reagan was in the news. That was it. Yeah, yeah. I, it, well, I when when Jay, it's like these people. I I love on talk shows when you know something's been prepared well, for the <laughs> guest to say. And with Jay, it was always like. So I read somewhere that you were uh, stuck in an elevator with a kangaroo. Yeah, yeah, right. The the other thing about Jay, the other thing about Jay was that he never listened. He was always on the next question. So he would have a guest, and the guest would be, and then when I was six, uh, my father began to molest me, and. That continued until I was 17 and I left home. And then Jay, I understand you don't use mustard. <laughs> just, he's on the next question. Well, you could always tell that he was engaged in the monologue, but he was yeah, never was... engaged with a guest. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know. And then my husband beat me for years. I understand you have a collection of keys. You know, so he's like... So tell us quick about your band. Are you still, doing, band, the tru- the you still doing the Truants? Because yeah, Gilbert and I are huge British Invasion fans. I know you are. I we know are. you are. And we and and that's what I'm doing this summer. I'm going to focus on my music. We got six gigs. I started this band five years ago. It's the best thing I've ever done. We do British Invasion and Garage Rock. Nothing after 1967. We're what, going to be what at kind the of Red British invasion are we talking like Jerry, like Jerry and the Pacemakers Absolutely. and uh... and we do deep cuts so we if we do Jerry and the Pacemakers we don't do Ferry Cross the Mersey ah, we do, do it's going to be cuts. all right was there like this real anger between Letterman and Leno I think that uh, I think that they uh, I think they were uh, friends and I think that. Um, Look, uh, you know, I'm the wrong guy to ask because, you know, Jay, you know, Jay, ever since I've known Jay and you know this, whatever with Jay, whatever he's doing is the right thing and whatever you're doing is the wrong thing. So years ago when he left New York and moved to L.A. and he said, you guys, they're all you got to move. That's where the business is in L.A. And he goes to L.A. He tries to be an actor and they say his face frightens children. (laughs) So then he's now he goes on the road and he says, all you guys who want to be actors, you know, the road, that's where the real comes. So whatever he's doing is right and whatever you're doing is wrong. And he's always been that way. And my favorite story about Jay was – and you know Jeff Stilson who's a great comic. He wrote for Letterman Jeff. for a while yeah. and then he created The Osbournes. He wrote on Ali G and he's done a lot of work with Chris Rock. So he was the producer on Chris Rock's a talk show that he had on HBO for a couple of years. So Chris – goes to to do Jay and Jeff goes with him and Jay sees Jeff and he says, uh, come here for a second. I just want to tell you what Chris is doing wrong on his show. And Jeff says to Jay, listen, Jay, here's the difference between you and Chris. Uh, Chris is going for laughs, not votes. 
And I always thought that was one of the great lines ever. And and look, Jay, no better comic in the clubs. Absolutely, a thousand percent. But I think that it was all about, you know, uh, uh, getting the gig and, you know, I, I just don't – I think he pulled a lot of moves over the years that were less than uh, gracious and he had, you know, he won. I mean his show was – I mean after the first two years, I mean he beat us regularly. So – I think history will tell a different story. Yeah. I mean I think that uh, – yeah, I think so. But But – with Jay, and I think we can all agree, in the clubs, there was there was nobody better. Very strong, very hip, you know. And yeah, I, I just he was you know he was a revelation to uh, to watch in the clubs. But as as a talk show host, he was a comic that got a really plum gig. That's that's what it was. He was just a comic that he wasn't a, a guy that aspired to be to be a broadcaster like Dave. And uh, but uh, unquestionably successful and and really, you know, held that. I mean, he he you know, he held that real estate for a long time and he deserves he deserves a lot of credit for that. He deserves all the credit in the world for that. It It's so funny to me to think that for years, the biggest it was reported like like World War Three. That like Letterman, Leno, and Conan, like the wars going on between them. The thing like, that all, would, but but yeah. I don't think it was. I don't think that uh, uh, you know. The only time that Dave and I would talk about Jay was me doing the Kirk bit. I mean, that really, yeah, that really yeah. was that really was it. So I don't. I just think that they were. I think with Dave, this was a guy that used to be a big asset on his old show, that became a competitor. Yeah. So, right. I just think the, I just think the nature is you're, you're not going to be best pals. Now, the thing that fascinates me about Conan is that Conan has been on the air now for 22 years, and people still talk about him like he's been on the air about seven weeks. Yes, so, yes. You know, he's getting pretty good. He's getting pretty good. <laughs> he's been on the air 22 years. I mean, not not without talent, not without talent, Conan. But I just find that fascinating. Were Jay way. and Dave civil to each other when they shot the Oprah? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Was there a thousand? It uh, was like always it, it was like no time had passed. It was they went right back into talking about old guys in the comedy store, and it was it was really so no tension. No, oh, it's nice. no, it was nice it was hear. no tension, and and. Um, uh, when we so that w- which was a great spot, it was a great idea. I mean, I think Dave wrote the piece. Ultimately, you know, th- this is the thing about Dave Letterman. He was always the best writer on the show. He was always the best editor. He was always the best director, and he was always the best actor. So you, he was a guy that you aspired to. But the other thing, uh, three years later, or it would be four years later, CBS got the Super Bowl again, and this was right in the middle of when there were a million late night shows. So Dave's idea was, but we couldn't get everybody. This is his idea. I still love this. Where it's, okay, it starts out the same and it's the pan on the couch. And it's Dave, pan to Oprah, pan to Jimmy Kimmel, pan to Conan, pan to Jimmy Fallon. Okay, so that's the couch. And then (laughs) out of the kitchen 
comes Jay. And it's, you know, and it's The Late Show with David. That's all we said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, and that was all Dave's idea. So. I, I remember being on Letterman where I think on the panel he just asked me some question like, why do you work with your eyes closed? Right. And, and I just, the first thing I thought of, and I said, oh, it's something I picked up from Helen Keller. Right. Oh, that's right. I remember. Yeah, yeah. And it got groans right. from the audience. And then I remember when I was home watching it and uh, there's a commercial break and then he's uh, introducing the next guest. And in the middle of the introduction, he goes, gee, it's kind of nice to see Gilbert come out and shoot himself in the foot <laughs> <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. One of the best things you could say about him is if you looked at the in the TV guide or you looked at the TV listings and you saw who was going to be on, if you didn't care at all about that person, you still wanted to see how David Letterman was going to interview that person. And I know you oh. had I know you had Paul on here, and let me tell you the two one of two of the great Paul lines. Uh, Paul, um, let me just say this: would be paying attention most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So one night he said that the other night. He said, "God forbid, I took my eyes off." One night, year. This is this is about a year ago. Dave is talking about something, and he says, "Paul, what is the biggest movie of all time?" And Paul goes, "Uh, uh, "The Yearling." That was it. (laughs) Hilarious. And you know, five people laugh, but this is this is the greatest uh, Paul line, in my opinion. We're doing a top ten one night, and this is about again a little less than a year ago. And it was uh, it was an item in the news, and it was, and what it was was uh, in the upcoming edition of Archie. Archie gets killed. Yeah, right. He gets <laughs> okay. murdered. He he is he's defending a gay friend of his, and he jumps in front of a guy. He takes the bullet. Okay, so Dave is setting up the top ten, uh, which was other comic book twists. But he's setting it up by saying, and Archie jumps in front to save a friend. He takes a bullet and he says, so – and this is like just about six months ago. He says, so Archie, he's dead. He's gone. So what – what's going to happen? What's going to happen to Veronica and Betty and Jughead? And Paul interrupts and said, well, Archie made sure that in the event of his death – his staff would continue to be paid. And it was right after David announced his retirement and people Perfect. went crazy. Perfect. Archie made specific I mean it was just perfect. And well, that Paul was so valuable. Valuable. I, I will miss them both terribly yeah. and I want to put a black armband on, so I can't imagine how you feel. Right. Well, I watched for thirty three <laughs> years, Bill. No, well I'm you know, wear one all the time. I, I remember when Paris Hilton was on the show. Uh, after she had gotten arrested and served time. Right. And and she said, well, I – he and old Dave wanted to right. talk. And and she goes, well, I don't really want to talk uh, about uh, uh, my time in prison. And he goes, well, see, that's the difference it's between – That's you. all I want to talk about. That was another about. great one. And then, and then she – and then uh, she started to cry and then somebody in the balcony – Yells out, I love you. And Dave said, somebody you met in the joint. <laughs> really funny. <laughs> and, 
<laughs> and he was – but, you know, he was so great with Martha Stewart because Martha would come on and she'd be cooking something and he would say to her, Martha, how is that syndicated column you have going, Tales from the Slammer? <laughs> And he just mess with her. He drink the mayonnaise, right, and right. he just or he swig the booze. Right, but he yeah. It was whenever there was a little tension, it would go a long way. I heard Martha Stewart had a crush on Letterman. Absolutely, a thousand percent. And lived yeah. in his town. Yeah, yeah, for, for years. <laughs> for years, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I mean Martha Stewart, and then when um, uh, she was. Uh, you know, when if we found out that she was online dating, that was, I mean, that was phenomenal. Put okay. a man on Martha Stewart, yeah. Okay. So wow. this stuff. has been Gilbert. I'm Gilbert Godfrey. You this are. has been, yes, I'm still Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> I had a joke and I Thank you for tell. telling me. Wait, let's okay. hear Bill's joke. Wait a minute. I have, well, this is, the, uh, uh, I wanted to do a joke that was kind of inside that I knew you would appreciate. And I hope you don't know this joke. And the joke is that there's a there's a comic and a ventriloquist, and they know each other for 20, 30 years. They know each other's act inside and out, and they meet each other in the street, and the comic says to the ventriloquist, how's it going? The ventriloquist says, ugh, I got this cruise, and I have to do – because they don't turn over the audience. I got to do two completely different half-hour sets. And I don't know what to close the second show with. So the comic says, what about when you're sniling? <laughs> you didn't know that one. Okay. <laughs> I'm still Gilbert Gottfried. And this is still Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. And unfortunately, my co-host is still Frank <laughs> Santo Padre. I get this every week. And our guest this week was the very funny Bill Sheff. I have to say, too, Bill's the kind of guest where we don't have to do anything. Yeah. We just sort of relax and be entertained. <laughs> yes. I like a guest that brings their well, own. I'm all, I'm all caught up now with Gilly, so we're all set. So. <laughs> Great. But well, I'll say one last thing about Leno. Who remembers the, just talking about his, the acting and his face scaring children? Who remembers the action movie, the buddy movie that he made with Pat Morita? Oh, oh yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Remember yeah. that? He it, had it was one... like it was like Turner and Hooch, but it was something else. It was, it was Collision Course. Oh, I think. Collision Course. Was the name of it. I'll tell you what. He was very good, and he was very good in American Hot Wax. That's right. He was. That was a good movie. Floyd uh, Mutrix. Floyd and Gail Mutrix. You're right, buddy. You're good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Did you sign off? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Thank, thank. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. Thank you for paying attention. It was very entertaining. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Slicing I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you.
A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.